Welcome to Grid Talk, a series of conversations with the leaders and innovators shaping the 21st century grid. Hosting the podcast is Marty Rosenberg, an award-winning energy journalist. The series is sponsored by the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Now, here's Marty Rosenberg with Grid Talk. Welcome to Grid Talk. It's our pleasure today to have Maria Pope, President and CEO of Portland General Electric, to talk about some exciting initiatives at our utility, particularly focused on their efforts to create a smart grid. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Marty. Thank you for including me. So a little over a year ago, uh, when you were in, talking about your smart grid effort, you put out a press release talking about how you're going to three towns in your service territory. Knowing something about Portland, they're f- fairly different complexion, I would guess, uh, in terms of the population and um makeup of the uh, customer base. You said at the time that PGU will, quote, integrate smart grid technology on a scale never before attempted in the United States. And you also said, quote, this first of its kind project will leapfrog over other smart grid efforts, enabling PGE to gain and share learnings that will aid the entire industry. So one year and several months on, we're very interested in hearing you talk about, A, um, what's been started, what early lessons you've learned, and uh, just fill us in. Great. Well, thank you. We're really excited about these projects, and we're already seeing uh, terrific early signs of success. First of all, let me comment on what makes them special and first of their kind in the United States. Uh, and probably even globally. Um, And that is the participation rate of our customers in each of these projects. Uh, Traditionally, as we know, um, integrating um, distributed energy resources and energy curtailment with customers is generally fairly limited, frequently in the single-digit kind of participation rate. Uh, We're looking for over two-thirds participation of the customers in these three areas, Um, And we're staffing and planning for that. Uh, So, for example, um, the handheld technology devices and interoperability that we we are providing customers um, is exceptional and allows them easily to integrate uh, with us. Uh, We also are working with each of the municipalities in these areas, and they are very uh, distinct, but we have customer relations managers that are ensuring that working with elected officials and others that we created a broader advocacy group that touches customers. And so if you live in, let's say, the city of Milwaukee, Hillsborough, uh, parts of Portland, uh, you would be able to get a signal on your smartphone and save money by participating in one of our energy events. We have already achieved Uh, savings of about 100 megawatts when we call an event, and our customers are able to save about 10% on their bills. And for the average customer, that's a big deal, and it also is something that they are really liking because they're able to participate in really a green energy future and providing a more uh, resilient and smarter grid. Maria, these uh, 
tests are in Hillsborough, Milwaukee, Portland, North Portland, I, I believe. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the three communities, how many potential customers you would have, and how many have actually indicated a, a desire to be a part of this. Sure. So uh, we're in the early stages. So in terms of numbers, that's not as quite as impressive as the amount of enthusiasm we have for these projects and how this is bringing our customers and municipal leaders more integrated into our product and to in our, our company. Uh, Hillsborough is essentially the Silicon Forest uh, of Oregon, and many of our high-tech companies uh, are located there. It is also an extremely high-growth area for us. Uh, Milwaukee uh, is a more traditional community uh, with long-standing industries, uh, an employment base that's quite diverse, uh, a number of people who live in both uh, multifamily housing um, as well as single-family housing. Um, and then North Portland is an area which is traditionally we would think of uh, as less representative or underserved, um, and that's an area where we really want to understand how do we engage with customers um, from our perspective who struggle the most in paying their monthly bills and are making very real trade-offs um, in terms of uh, social costs, housing costs, and others, and really being able to make a difference in these communities uh, so that they can participate in saving um, on their monthly bills and in a clean energy future. So it includes everyone. Approximately 20,000 folks will be served in these three areas. Is that correct? Yes. Do you have plans to roll this out across the whole company? Give us some idea of how long the study phase will go and where you think it's headed. Sure. We have some a uh, little bit longer to figure out uh, the interoperability uh, between our electrical delivery, um, the peak pricing that we may have in supercritical peak days and the hottest days of the years and the coldest days of the year, um, and so that we're really integrating the economics. Uh, and then, in addition, making sure that uh, we getting customer feedback in terms of the experience. Given what we have seen so far, this is a win-win solution, and I would hope it would scale much faster than a normal pilot would. I would say the benefits from a customer interaction standpoint are also much greater than we, prom- we initially expected. Give us an idea or a flavor of what that looks like. Uh, as an example, um, let's take a uh, city councilor uh, whose son lives in one of our target areas, and this is someone who really cares about green energy, renewables, and is in a position of decision-making in one of our local communities. She is thrilled that we've engaged her uh, son um, in saving money on his bill and participating in a more resilient, cleaner grid that will allow us to have a higher penetration of renewables on the system. Uh, So it has multiple benefits some of which we expected and some of which we never did. One, one feature that I read about is your peak time rebates, which enable customers, I believe, to donate to the Oregon Food Bank, the Oregon Energy Fund, a fund to support homeless families. Can you talk a, a little bit about this, the um, architecture of that plan and how it works? Sure. Well, what's really important, I think, before we get into how things work is the why. And I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, we at Portland General Electric have the number one voluntary renewable program in the country. More than a quarter of our customers pay a little bit more to buy 100% 
uh, green energy, and really to participate and, and clean up our electrical system. Maria, let, let me stop you for a second and uh, knowing a little bit about the, the political climate in Portland, it's fairly liberal and progressive. To what extent is that just a reflection of your customer base versus initiatives that you think utilities around the country might learn uh, to apply in, in different political climates? First of all, uh, while certainly we are more liberal and uh, left-leaning uh, in the Portland metropolitan area, we serve 51 uh, different jurisdictions across the state. And so we serve a, a wide variety of, of views and, and ethoses. And, and uh, this works uh, in, in all circumstances. Um, I would say that it's really important that we listen to our customers and we serve them and how they want to be served, uh, whether you're in a more urban setting or in one of our more rural uh, counties and, and communities that we serve. Um, and, that's, and, and I would say that as we look at our voluntary renewable program, um, that's spread throughout our entire service territory. Um, and I think it reflects our customers' not just um, interest in renewable energy, but in, in contributing to an environment where they feel good about what they're doing um, every day. And as we look at expanding this program, uh, we wanted to include some of our concerns that we're hearing from customers with regards to um, low-income communities um, and making sure that the clean energy future is one that everyone participates in. Um, as you may know, Oregon is not a wealthy state, um, and 20% or more of our customers struggle paying their bills. And to be able to provide options to customers to contribute some of the benefits to this program to agencies who have longstanding traditions and track records of terrific service in our state really resonated with a number of our customers. You believe that, that partnerships are going to be very important um, moving towards a, a more resilient, clean energy future. Can you talk about how that works in Oregon and what kind of stakeholders you're partnering up with? Sure. That's a, it's a great question. And as we make this transition uh, to a reliable, uh, renewable-based uh, grid or electric grid, um, it's really important that we are inclusive and partner with everyone because this is complex. Uh, I have a couple of really good examples. The first one would be our transportation uh, provider, uh, our transit authority, TriMet. Uh, they're the 11th largest transit authority in the United States, um, and they have embraced uh, moving to electric buses and to reducing their carbon uh, output uh, in the communities uh, where they serve. Uh, we partnered with them on an all-wind electric bus route, and there are currently in the um, design and beginnings and implementation stages of converting two of their bus depots to all electric. Uh, and that takes a, a major integration between the electric infrastructure that we have as well as their infrastructure and ensuring that absolutely no matter what, those buses are ready to roll fully charged every morning at 4, 4.35 in the morning um, as, as they provide the transportation backbone of our communities. 
As an example, we're also looking at battery storage adjacent to one of their depots, which also works well with the state's 911 center, which happens to be located around the block. So we're creating a resiliency zone. At the same time, we're looking at providing electric fuel uh, for our transportation system. Another good example would be Daimler trucks. Uh, Daimler's electric uh, truck manufacturing is based uh, in Portland. And when they bring their batteries that will go into their small and large uh, trucks, um, they need a place to store them and they need a place to be able to exercise those batteries um, so that the deterioration doesn't take uh, occur while it's working process inventory. Works perfectly with us to be able to provide additional resiliency as we uh, use those batteries as part as providing ancillary services uh, for the grid, um, and then also work with uh, Daimler with the batteries that no longer provide the optimal value in trucks, but still have the ability to provide resiliency and ancillary services uh, to the grid for the duration of their life. So it's been a terrific. Um, uh, partnership, and we've, I think both organizations have learned a lot, as, as well as our, our partnership with uh, battery manufacturers. Uh, we've worked with, as an example, Tesla as well as Panasonic, not only on their batteries, but also in smart city initiatives, and this takes us back to stronger um, partnerships within municipalities that we serve. So we're working with them on not only improved street lighting, but also that helps law enforcement in terms of some of the data and infrastructure that they want. And being able to work together, we're, we're really creating a world where two and two is not equaling four, but is equaling five and sometimes six. A number of years ago, um, I had the, the pleasure of visiting your Salem Smart uh, Power Center when you were trying to explore microgrid potential. And uh, in Portland, we just, for the last few minutes, we're talking about smart grid. Let's shift a little bit to microgrid. You had a five megawatt battery there. You were integrating renewables and uh, providing uh, a variety of tests. What have you learned from that? And uh, do you think microgrids will play a role in the PGE system in the future? So first of all, that's a project uh, that was really, again, a first of its kind in the country. Um, it was uh, benefited from uh, grants from the Department of Energy, and in uh, 2013, we put together this project really beginning to understand how to integrate battery technology into our existing grid and, and create a microgrid. Uh, the number of learnings were numerous, as well as uh, how to work with battery suppliers, as well as the electrical aspects that went along. Uh, we have a, a visitor's facility um, and so not only are, is the general public able to learn about the integration of solar uh, on the kettle uh, chips uh, rooftops uh, of their, their manufacturing facility, uh, but also uh, battery storage and, and how it all works. Um, I would say that it, at this point in time, that technology is, is probably seen its day. Um, and we are moving on to a partnership with the city of Beaverton with their new resiliency um, area and their public safety center. Again, combining solar battery storage, uh, but with uh, at an entirely new scale and at a new level of sophistication given what we learned through that project as, as well as others. I would also say that because all of these 
projects are, are open um, to others to come and look. Uh, we've learned just as much from other projects, whether they be based in the Seattle area, uh, Denver, across the country, uh, certainly Southern California. Um, as they've taken a look at our operations, uh, we've also taken a look at theirs, and we've advanced, I think, the knowledge of the utility industry as a whole. You said the scale of what you're doing in Beaverton's larger. Can you give us some yardsticks to, to consider the scale? You know, really, um, what, we're, what we're beginning to do is not just scale on site, but also scale that we're able to integrate uh, renewable energy uh, from the um, utility scale system. So excess solar from Southern California through the energy imbalance market directly into the Beaverton area where they want to have uh, more renewables. We're also working with Beaverton on a project where they will buy 100% green energy on a project that we are working towards that will be a, a solar and wind facility, but primarily solar facility that will be breaking ground on in about a year uh, in Portland or in the eastern part of, sort of between Portland and the eastern part of Oregon. So there's a number of aspects that we're looking at scale rather than just looking at what are the solar panels on someone's roof or whatnot. We're looking at how do we integrate and, again, leverage every capital dollar for more resiliency and a higher penetration of renewables. Switching gears for a moment, uh, this year you're going to be shutting down the, the Bourbon Coal Fire Generating Station. Um, I believe it's 550 megawatt capacity. You were one of the first utilities to elect to, to uh, mothball a coal facility. How is that going and how will you uh, account for that lost generation? Sure. Um, well, first of all, in terms of um, the uh, planned closure of the facility, uh, it's going really well. Uh, we uh, obviously uh, did this in a very planful and collaborative manner, uh, and we have worked uh, with employees on a retention plan uh, so uh, that those who may retire uh, prior to the closure, um, uh, it's in their interest to stay and work a little bit longer and we're able to recognize their contribution to the plant that they made. We placed a number of people uh, who worked at the plant in other parts of our organization. Um, and uh, we also have a, a retraining and, and severance program that we're working on in collaboration with the local community college. Uh, we also have our equipment at that local community college doing training for our uh, natural gas facilities that are in the same area. So it's become a, it's a retraining, but also a training of our own people uh, so that we, that we get um, really the most, uh, uh, I think the, the biggest bang for the buck and the ability to have a soft landing for all of our employees uh, and one that works for each of them. Um, in terms of replacement of power costs, we work collaboratively across the region and we have a number of contracts with Bonneville Power Administration with, with others for near-term capacity to make sure that we are able to continue to re, uh, reliably serve uh, all of our customer needs. Uh, we've been planning this for uh, a number of years and have a, have a layer of, of contracts accessing largely uh, renewable hydro generation uh, in the region. Early on, you were exploring the possibility of burning wood biomass, of which there's plenty in the Northwest. Uh, what happened to those plants? 
So we're continuing uh, to pursue alternatives, um, and we actually uh, have opened up the facility um, at um, the cost of those who would like to pursue other alternatives to be able to use uh, Boardman um, in 2021 uh, and beyond, uh, whether it's for projects related to hydrogen, to biomass, and to others, and people can submit um, their proposals to us. Uh, and we'll take a look at those and, and the appropriateness to be able to use the facility to be able to accelerate um, our knowledge as an industry um, around clean energy as we move forward. Turning to, to a, a bigger picture, you joined Portland General Electric back in 2009. And certainly the, the kinds of efforts we've been talking about here today are very different from what would have been undertaken by your company a decade ago. Looking out to the decade to come, what kinds of changes do you think will transpire so that if we have this chat 10 years from now, what kind of issues would we be addressing? What kind of picture would we be looking at? What do you think is going to happen in Portland and more broadly around the United States in the utility sector? Well, certainly this last decade has um, given us a taste of disruption across multiple industries, uh, and the utility and energy industry is, is no different. Um, I believe that with the pace of technological advances, we're going to continue to see lower and lower costs and better integration of renewable energy. Um, there's no question um, that climate change is first and foremost on our customers' minds, our community leaders' minds, and increasingly on investors' minds. Uh, and that's something that we have a long tradition of uh, at PGE. Uh, we not only were one of the first to voluntarily close the coal plant, but we were early developers um, of wind energy, of solar energy. So in many ways, this is a continuation of what we have been doing. Uh, but there's no question that we will continue to see with the drop in the cost of integrated integration ability, we'll see more distributed energy resources. Uh, customers want to participate in their energy future, and they want that energy future to be clean and carbon-free. Um, and they have higher demands of us, uh, given the kind of expectations um, that have been met by the tech sector, particularly digital companies. And so as we move really to be a a full-on customer service business. Uh, we're going to be reflecting more and more our customers' values uh, and delivering them the products uh, and integration that they want to see. Uh, the things that haven't changed is the safety remains paramount for us and for our industry. Reliability, obviously, is something that customers have come to trust and becomes that much harder as we have... Um, less resources like the Boardman coal plant and others to rely upon. Um, and I think also the integration with partners to make sure that we're working well with those who are using electricity in new and different ways uh, in our world. Is your business facing uh, unique financial pressures? Are you as profitable or as you were a decade ago? Do you expect to be as profitable a decade from now? You know, I think that the... Um, uh, how we do in our profitability is a reflection of how well we are meeting our customers' needs. Um, and if we are doing what our customers want us to do, 
if we're delivering that safe, reliable, clean, and secure energy to them in a decade, the same way that we have been known for for the past decades, then absolutely, I see no reason why our profitability won't be commensurate. Thanks, Maria. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. I really enjoyed the time, and thank you for the question. And thanks for listening to Grid Talk. Thanks to our guest, Maria Pope of Portland General Electric, for sharing her insights about sweeping, exciting changes in the electric industry. You have been listening to Grid Talk. You can send us feedback or questions at gridtalk at nrel.gov. And we encourage you to give the podcast a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the podcast series or to subscribe, visit smartgrid.gov. Thanks for listening to Grid Talk, presented by the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Subscribe through your favorite podcast provider or visit smartgrid.gov for more information.